Good morning. I'd like to say welcome to the visitors and welcome to the freshmen. We have any freshmen brave enough to raise their hands? Woohoo! Last service, the freshmen were like, "Do I dare admit it? I don't know." It's all right. All of us were freshmen once, um, and if you haven't been a freshman yet, your time will come. Why are you in the room? Okay. Um, but we are going to have a great service. We've been talking about what it means to be in Christ and what's available to us in Christ. We've learned that being in Christ, that being part of God's family, has benefits. For you guys, uh, Kendra worded it well the other day, about being in a family. Being part of God's family makes things available to us. Being part of your family makes things available to you. Anyone ever get hungry? Yeah, you go to the fridge. And you open it, and you eat something. Or you open up the cupboards, and you eat something. And I get asked that great question. Did you buy that? No. It's my fridge. Why is it your fridge? It's in my house. Why is it your house? Well, because my parents bought it. So you're saying that it cost you nothing, but because of what they did in your relationship to them, it's now available to you. Bills come in their name, and you rack them up by leaving lights on and watching TV. And you eat their food. And it's available to you because they purchased it and... You're in their family. Being in Christ's family, there are many benefits that are available to us. That being in Christ is a new position, a new identity with many benefits, much more than just a way out of hell. But being available and taking advantage of it are not the same thing. Anyone ever get a gift card for their birthday or Christmas or anything? Anyone ever lose the gift card that you got for your birthday or for Christmas? Yeah. Most frustrating thing when you get a gift card and it's either to a store that doesn't exist where you live. It's like your, your aunt from out of state sends you a gift card to a store that's only in her state. You're like, come on. And they charge like 50 bucks shipping. The gift card's not even for 25, you know. So, like, it doesn't work. Or you just get that one, it's like to a great store, and you're excited, and finally you get a chance to go to that store, and you're like, what happened to my gift card? Like the time I threw away a gift card because I didn't know it was in the card. Oops. Like normally, like when you pull out the card, you open it up, the gift card's inside. They just like stuck the gift card in the envelope. So we took out the card, read the card, and I'm like, oh, thank you. Threw away the envelope because it's just paper, like throw it away. And then they're like, hey, do you like the gift card? What gift card? The one that was in the letter. Is the gift card in the letter? Yeah. Uh, I didn't get the gift card. Better go check your trash. Trash day was yesterday. It's gone. Too bad for you. Ah, it cost them. Benefited me not at all. Very annoyed. And a lot of times, that's how a lot of Christians live. God gives, makes available so many gifts, but just because he's made it available doesn't mean that we've received it. We learned that being in Christ, we have salvation, forgiveness, a new identity, that we produce fruit in him, that there are promises available to us, authority, healing, and this morning we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. In, um, well, yeah, there's lots to say about the Holy Spirit, so we'll just jump right in. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. All right, first off, it's a gift. 
We learned that just because a gift is available to you doesn't mean that you've benefited from it. Secondly, were any of you there when this actually happened? No. If you are, you're old. Like 2,000 some years. Anyways, so for all who are far off, that means us. If we were not there, if it goes you, your children, and to all who are afar off, everyone coming after them, this promise is. And then to be a little bit more specific, he goes, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That means anybody who's made Jesus the Lord of their life, the Bible would call them a believer. Those who believe that Jesus came, died, rose again, and paid the price for our sins. It says that if, if you've done this and declared him to be Lord, you're a believer, everyone who is um, the Lord has called to himself. He goes, then this promise is available to you. We're going to go through a few verses because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Um, the, I've talked to people who are like, well, why? Am I getting in a radio station? Not sure why the static came from. Hope it doesn't come back. A lot of people get like weirded out by this whole topic of the Holy Spirit. They're like, but that's just weird. Some people call them the Holy Ghosts. Ghosts are spooky. This is weird. The first off, the Holy Spirit isn't spooky. Secondly, it is a gift for you. And I want to go over several of these verses because I want you to understand that it's for you, and I want you to be able to stand in faith. In order to stand in faith, you must first have a promise. So we're going to go over a few of the promises. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. This is Jesus speaking. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. And then in verse 13, he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So he brings up this whole topic and he goes, he ends it letting you know what the subject is. The thing that you can ask for, knowing that the father will give if you ask, is the Holy Spirit. And in the middle, he compares himself to a human father. He goes, your earthly father, when you ask him for bread, doesn't give you a rock. When you ask for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. And he goes, and, and your earthly father, and if your father would, that's messed up. Um, but he goes, your earthly father, though evil, in comparison to God, he goes, your heavenly father is perfect. How much more will he not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So if you ask, he will give you the Holy Spirit. In prophecy about Jesus, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 John the Baptist is prophesying just before Jesus comes to be baptized. And he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so this, this prophecy, this Declaring this promise is for us comes up over and over and over again. But I've talked to some people, and they say stuff like, well, cool, it's for me. Why do I care? 
what benefit does this have? Is this just like some mark on a badge for me to be like, check that off, got that off my Christian to-do list, look at me accomplish Christian things so that I can feel better about myself. I've had people ask, why do I want the Holy Spirit? First off, uh, this is the power that Jesus walked in. If you're taking notes, write that down. The Holy Spirit is the power that Jesus walked in. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So he went about anointed in the Holy Spirit and power. That power that Luke 24, 49 said, you are clothed with power from on high. That's what anointed Jesus. A lot of times it's easy to read the Gospels and to pull the Jesus card. Um, and this would, this would be what I would call the Jesus card. Jesus is something really cool, like walk on water, feed 5,000 people, raise the dead, heal blind eyes. And we go, well, yeah, he's Jesus. Of course he walks on water, feeds 5,000 people. He's Jesus. He is like, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Son. That's Jesus. Like, he's part of the Trinity. He's God. Obviously, he can do cool things. But the Bible shares with us something in Philippians 2, verse 5. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or clung to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. It goes through and tells us, it says that he emptied himself. In order to be a man and live as a man and to be a representative of mankind, he had to live as a man. That means he said, as God, as creator, I am setting aside all of my divineness, my power as God. I am emptying myself to come in the form of a man as a man with the power of a man. So, he never pulled the I'm Jesus card. And a lot of times it's easy to talk and to think about what Jesus might have done as a little kid. Like, was Jesus everybody's favorite? Because when you drop something, he like split the kiddie pool, like water to the sides. Moses can do it. I can do it because I'm Jesus. Like, was he the guy who like just walked across the water going, I'll just walk across the pond, no worries. Did did he have, was he everyone's favorite? Because when Jesus was there, there was always enough crackers. Is he just going, here, more crackers for all. Kool-Aid, more Kool-Aid. Like, was Jesus the guy, the life of every little party as a kid because he could multiply the food and heal everybody? No. And people would try to fill in the gaps because, and make up funny stories because it doesn't tell us a whole lot about Jesus' childhood. But in Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, Jesus shows up in his hometown. And it says, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? 
where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Do you realize that if Jesus was famous in his hometown for doing epic things as a little kid, they'd be like, hey, that's Jesus. That's the boy that multiplied the cake at my party. Hey, that's the kid who like walked on water when we got that thing stuck out there in the pond. That's the boy that healed my dad. That, he turned into a man. Like if as a kid he did all these cool things, they would know it. But they look at him and they go, what, you were just a normal kid. How come you think you're special now? What happened? Because Jesus didn't do any miracles until after he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Once he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, as we go back to Acts 10, 38, it said that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Once he had the Holy Spirit power inside of him, that's the power that he used to do all of the miracles that we see him do. Which is really cool. <clears throat> because in John 16, as, as Jesus is prophesying about the Holy Spirit, he says, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, for all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is going to give us the same power that Jesus walked in. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me also will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. He says everything that Jesus did, all that was available to him, he makes available to us that we can walk in the same power that he walked in. That's awesome. That's really cool. So I got thinking about this. I'm going, all right, this is, this is sweet. This power is available to me. That Jesus did this by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I got thinking about all the cool things that Jesus did. And then you have that, like, obscured thought, because my mind works weird. If, your doesn't, yours doesn't, if yours doesn't work that way, that's okay. You're probably normal. Um, I don't know that I can qualify there. But, okay, so I got thinking, going, if I could go back, if I could have a time machine, where would I go? And you're like, to fix the stupid things you did in life. Yeah, probably. But if I could go anywhere else, where would I go? You're like, would you go back to see an inventor invent something epic? No. Like, great, you turned on a light bulb. I see that all the time. Cool. You're like, you invented a car. You invented a plane. I've flown in them. Good for you. Yours was, like, it worked. It was the first one, but it wasn't that great. That's why they had to improve them. Um, but, or maybe would you, like, would you go back to see a cool president and make, watch him do stuff? And you're like, look, he's working at a desk. Oh, great. Like, no, I'm going to watch him as he makes decisions and as he, like, saves the world from this war. And you can't see what's happening in his head as if that would be really that cool. But if I could go back anywhere. How cool would it be to go back and to walk with Jesus? Some of you guys have grown up in Sunday school. You're like, I do walk with Jesus. He's in my heart. Good for you. Okay. <laughs> but this is, this is the point. Like to go back to walk with Jesus and to be there on the front row when he fed 5,000 people with one little kid's lunch. Have you ever wondered how that worked? 
You're like, all right, did he like break it and just like hold on to one piece of bread and be like, like I gotta break 5,000 pieces off this thing. Like, did he just keep breaking this one or did he just like break it one time and like everyone, as they handed it out, it kept multiplying? Like where did the multiplication actually take place? It would have been cool to watch and be a part of. Did it taste normal? Like, I'd love to have been there in that front row and to be a part of it and to be like walking on them, to be in the boat when Jesus went to walk by walking on the water, to see all these fishermen going, ah, it's a ghost. And Jesus, nope, hey guys, it's me. Peter's like, oh, if it's really you, ask me to come out there. What am I supposed to say? It's me, stay in the boat. Like, all right, it's me, come on out. It's like to watch Peter like hop out and start walking on water and then see the waves. And then he gets, starts to sink. You're like, what, why? What is it? <clears throat> 101 in water walking. You can't do it when it's wavy. <laughs> really? If you can walk on the water, what does a wave have to do with it? Or are you afraid because the water's hard enough for you to walk on that the wave's going to hit you? Like, no, it's going to hurt. Like, I don't know. I don't know why he was afraid and why he put his faith in the storm. Like, how cool would it have been to be in the boat? Maybe, like, I could have got out there and been like, hey, Jesus, can I walk on the water too? Like, how much fun would it have been to be there? Or to be, you know, like, you, you, you read through the Gospels and you see these sermons that Jesus preached. But they're not really, I mean, the whole sermon. You got, like, four guys' notes on Jesus' sermons. Like, it'll tell you that he, he talked to them. In fact, he fed the 5,000 because they'd been following him all day and he'd been preaching to them. And now it was evening, and it was, they were, it was getting late, and they were hungry, and they had a long way to go to get home. And, like, the disciples tell the sermon that he spoke in a couple verses. Like that, you didn't preach all day on a paragraph. What else did Jesus say? How cool would it be to be there? And to walk around, but yes, I get to hear the whole sermon and take my own notes. I get to be there, I get to watch, I get to taste it when he multiplies the bread. I get to experience it and be there when he prays for people. What if, like, that'd be so cool. What if I could, like, just take Jesus and stick him in my pocket? Like, not that I want to condense him and my pockets are kind of small. But, like, this whole idea of having Jesus with me each and every day, that walking, talking, guiding me, leading me, encouraging me, strengthening me, being there to... To like, all right, yeah, step out, go ahead and pray for them. I'm Jesus, I'm right here. Like, yeah, sweet. And like, you pray for, like, like, just how cool would that be? But yet, this is what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 6. Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Sorrow has filled the heart. Why? What things did Jesus say? Jesus just told them about the fact that he's going to die, raise again, and depart. They didn't like this idea of him departing, leaving. Nevertheless... I tell you the truth. Like, duh, you're Jesus. Of course you tell the truth. You're God, you can't lie. Besides that, you already told us that you're the way, the truth, and the light. So why does Jesus bother to make the statement, I tell you the truth? Because what I'm going to say is not going to make sense. What I'm going to say is going to strike you as a lie. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. At this point, we go, you sound like a scum bucket, like a bull. Like, sorry, sounds like a boy breaking up with a girl there. To your advantage that I go away. Uh, you're like, you're a jerk. All right, so 
And that's how it sounds, but he starts it with, I tell you the truth, and then it goes to this very important word, for. The word for tells us the reason that this is follows. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So you're telling me that there is something better than getting to walk with Jesus. Than getting to be there and listen to every sermon that he preached. There is something better than getting to taste the food that he multiplied. There is something better than being there when he calmed the storm or when he walked on the water. There is something better than all of that combined. Because he didn't say this to just the random people. It wasn't like, you know what, you guys who are far, far away and never get to spend any time with you, it's going to be better off when I go. He said, dude, the people who followed him and got to be with him the whole time, he goes, for you, it is to your advantage that I go. Because if I do not go, I cannot send. But when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. I will send him, I will send the helper to you. And I got thinking about this. In fact, and during the first service, I started to list how cool would it be to have Jesus in my pocket. And I realized something. All of the benefits that I listed from Jesus being in my pocket, the Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit brings. He says that the Holy Spirit will guide me, comfort me, lead me, remind me, empower me, strengthen me. Wait a second. Jesus on earth as a man was limited by time and space. He was in one place at a time. The Holy Spirit comes and can walk with each of us at the same time. John, um, the, Bible, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit, and I don't have that much time, so I can't go through all of what I was planning to go through. He says he's our comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. Um, it says that he'll help us, the Father will send him, he'll teach you, he'll bring things to our remembrance. But I want to read you... Um, Something from Acts chapter 4. In Acts 4, persecution against the church has just arisen. When I say persecution, I don't mean like, ha ha, you're a Christian, make fun of you persecution. I mean like, throw you in jail, drag you into a pit, throw rocks at you until you're dead, stone you kind of persecution. These guys pray. Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I thought about this. I thought, you know, I have had a bunch of people ask me for that prayer this month. I've had a, it was, okay, it wasn't God, um, I heard, hear their threats give me boldness. It was, I'm about to go to college. I need strength. I need boldness to stand up for my faith. I need direction. I need his guidance. I'm going to a high school, and I need your strength. I need encouragement. I need to stand up for my faith this year. I need, and, and I've heard 
all of these different prayers, and, I, and I, they, or they asked me to pray with them, going, hey, will you pray for me because I need strength, I need wisdom. In fact, before, I think it was the first service, on one of the services this morning, I gathered the leaders around and a bunch of the student leaders and said, hey, are there any prayer requests before you pray for the service? And they're like, going to college, I need strength, I need courage, I need wisdom. Like, what did he promise? Okay, so when they asked, what was God's answer? God's answer to I need strength, courage, and boldness was I'll send the Holy Spirit. And I looked, and they're like, wow, the place was shaken, they were filled, and they went out and continued to speak the word of God boldly. We'll have to spend a different day to go through all these benefits a little bit more thoroughly, but 1 Corinthians 12. In them is a, a list typically referred to as the gifts of the Spirit. Now, they're not um, a full, complete list because we just listed um, that he was our comforter, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, um, that he'll teach us, remind us, and those aren't on this list. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, it says, now there's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are a variety of services, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And I, and I read that, and it shocked me, because a lot of times we are selfish, especially as Americans. And we think of this and go, well, do I want what the Holy Spirit offers? And he says right here, what the Holy Spirit offers, the manifestation of the Spirit, is given for the common good. So the best way to describe this was to say, if I had a lot of money, and I was to call one person forward, and to go, here, here's a bucket full of $100 bills. I want you to take one and go hand one out to everybody. And they were to look at me and go, no thanks, I don't want any. Your response would be, shut up! I, can I take his place? I'll take his. You don't want one? I'll take it. Um, and if he said, no, I don't want him. Like, no, I want you to take them, and I want you to pass them out. You'd go, if he refused, you'd be mad. Why? Well, by refusing to pass out what I gave him to pass out to you, he robbed you of the benefit that I was trying to get to you. In this example, that would be $100, but I don't have enough money to do that to everybody. I would go broke. So I'm not going to go giving away hundreds of dollars to everybody. But Jesus goes, these gifts of the Spirit aren't for the glorifying of oneself to look awesome in front of everybody else. He says, they are for the common good. He goes, I want you to do these so that you can see my will done in the lives of those around you. I want you to be a blessing. I want you to be a representative of me and to see my will done everywhere that you go. And in order to see that happen, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you with power, you're going to be able to overflow with my presence and see my will done in your life and in the lives of those around you. So then it goes on in verse 8 and begins to list these spiritual gifts. You can read them down to verse 11. I'm just going to go through just listing them going, the word of wisdom, knowledge, discerning the spirits, the gifts of faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing, prophecy, diverse kind of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And these are all available to us when the Holy Spirit comes upon us 
which is available to you if you are a believer. Um, I have a lot of notes. I didn't, my original intent was to spend all of my time focused on what I haven't even gotten to yet. So we'll have to do that later. But one verse. This should be my last verse. Even the, this is John 14, 17. Um, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is beyond just being saved. We can see a whole bunch of stories that I don't have time to get into about people that were get saved and then were they filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. But right here, Jesus talks about this and he goes, those who are in the world, a.k.a. those that don't have a relationship with me, those who aren't already believers in Jesus, who have not made him the Lord of their life, cannot receive the Holy Spirit because they um, neither see nor know him. You know him. You have made me the Lord of your life. Therefore, we would call them a Christian. He goes, he dwells with you, present tense, and will be in you after he sends him. So, first, believer, present tense, he's with you, but he wants to be in you. Christian, baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell in you, wants to fill you. And there are so many benefits both to you and to those around you as you are filled with the Holy Spirit and with the power that Jesus walked in. I want to give you guys a chance to be filled with that power. However, before you have a chance to be filled with that power, I want to give you a chance to first be a believer if you're not, because it's for those first who are believers. He said that this is for all those who are far off whom the Lord calls. So those that God has called and they have responded to his call, made the decision to make Jesus their Lord, the Holy Spirit, and all of his gifts are available to them. So can you guys bow your heads, close your eyes, band, go ahead and come on up. If you're here... And say, so, you know what? I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to first to become a believer. Whether, regardless of the Holy Spirit, if you say, you know what? I want to become a believer today. This is your chance to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Then we're going to make it time for those that want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So first off, want to become a believer. Want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Want to know that your sins are forgiven right with God and on your way to heaven. When I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One, two, get ready. This is it. Three, raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want him to come in to wash away my sins. Awesome. Who else says that's me? I, I, I want all that Jesus has for me. I want to be a believer. Awesome. We're going to say a prayer. The Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. So that's what we're going to do. So whether you raise your hand or you say, you know what, I've already done this. I'm already a believer. Then go ahead and join us as we call on God. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again.
Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Give them a big hand. I want to give an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for the next, I don't know, my notes keep going, so we'll see how long it goes. But at least a week, maybe two, hopefully only two, maybe three, I don't know, we'll see. But if you say, you know what, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to give you a chance to receive all that God has for you so that you can walk in His will completely and see His will done in the life, empowered with the power that He walked in in the lives of those around you. We're going to open up a time for worship. So if you want to come forward, you can worship. If you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you to come over by the prayer walls. We've got some leaders over there. And the Bible example, when someone wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they would lay their hands on them and pray for them, and they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to do. So go ahead, stand up, each and all. If you want just to come forward for worship, come forward for worship. If you want to receive baptism of the Holy Spirit, head over by the prayer walls. If you just need prayer, whether that's for healing, whether that's because your goldfish died, um, if it matters to you and you want prayer, you're welcome to head over by the prayer walls and we want to pray and be there for you. But especially if you go, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to receive all that God has for me. Head on over there as we go back into a time of worship and we're going to see God's will done in our lives.